T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It's time to talk politics. It's Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. And welcome back to Hardline. This is Kevin Hardwick. Thank you to the doctors uh, for my first hour. It was uh, it was a great hour. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Hope you did too. Joined live in studio now by Senator New York State Senator Rob Ort, uh, as well as uh, Ryan Whalen from Spectrum News's Capital Tonight program. Thank you to you both. Welcome. Uh, Rob, let me uh, obviously begin with you. You're the featured guest. Uh, Ryan's just along for the ride to ask some questions. Um, uh, first off, you uh, you are uh, uh, very uh, very capable, very uh, well prepared for uh, a life in uh, in public service because you are a Canisius College alum, one of my <laughs> former students. How well did uh, did I prepare you for this? Uh, well, uh, immensely, immensely. Yeah, there you go. Uh, well, you know, that's the end of our pass. show, ladies and gentlemen. That's uh, <laughs> what we wanted to get out of Rob. <laughs> no, it was. Uh, uh, you know, certainly, uh, uh College, big part of my life, uh, four years there. And, uh, I always tell Father Mar at Niagara University, I'm the, uh, the, the only Canisius alum that's a proud representative of Niagara of, of University. Niagara. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. We so. won't, we won't go into that <laughs> rivalry now. Now, of course, after Canisius, uh, you did some time in the, in the service. Yes. And, yep. and you served your country and you yep. went over to the Middle East. Yeah, actually, uh, Southwest Asia. I was in Afghanistan in 2000 and, uh, 2008. Uh, it was actually 10 years ago, uh, you know, today, that's where, that's where I was, uh, post nine 11, you know, I was that generation, you know, mm-hmm. we graduated Canisius yes. and it was like that, that, was that the day thing to happened do. and it was, you know, um, and you just knew that would be a defining moment, certainly in my lifetime. Uh, and of course to watch it on television and all that, it was just, it was, uh, something I'll never forget. And obviously that inspired me to, to, uh, sign up for the, uh, army. And, uh, when I got back from Afghanistan, I got married, bought a house and then I, Entered uh, politics. Politics. You were uh, mayor of North yep. Tonawanda, yep. Uh, up in Niagara County, the the wrong side of the canal. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not in the city of Tonawanda, of course. But um, and then uh, then the state senate uh, taking over George Maziar's old seat. Yep. Uh, let me let me ask you, and I'm I'm semi serious when I ask this question. Uh, it's 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 not a joke. Um, which is more predictable, or which was more predictable? What happened in Afghanistan, or what happens in the New York State Senate from week to week now? It's kind of a mess up there, isn't it, in, in terms of organization? Well, I always say, and, and certainly a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but I always say you know, I have two tours of combat, one in Afghanistan, <laughs> one in Albany. Uh, look at I mean, it's, it, it's uh, in New York State, certainly on the Senate side, where you have uh, Republican control, the only Ba- the only the only it's the last bastion of Republican, of, of Republican control strength in in the in the state. Yes, and and that makes it certainly in this climate more than ever. It makes it a very and, contentious. And it's a very tenuous uh, hold on <laughs> that control. I mean, you, I mean, you had with with one crossover Democrat, you had a thirty-two to thirty-one majority. That's yep. Now you have a member of the Senate, a Republican member, on recalled active duty. So you have 31-31 split, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, that puts the lieutenant governor, Kathy Hochul, in the driver's seat because she breaks ties. 
However, things have been kind of crazy the last few weeks, and and I I honestly don't know what happened this week. I saw that some bills were being passed. I haven't been paying that much attention to it. What uh, what what went on? Well, uh, two things. One on on your point about the tiebreaker. So she, my understanding, and I'm not a an attorney or a parliamentarian, but my understanding is she can act as a tiebreaker when there is a procedural vote. So what? Like, let's say there's a hostile amendment added mm-hmm. to a bill, she can rule that it should be allowed to be attached to that bill and then come up for a vote. She cannot vote on legislation as she is not a sitting member of the Senate. Not which, everybody agrees with that, however. Well, they're, they're, certainly, they're, they're, like anything else in Albany, there's always uh, two sides, I suppose, so, to it. So a couple of weeks ago, you weren't meeting at all. Well, so what happened was two weeks ago, uh, the Senate Dems, uh, you know, attached two uh, hostile amendments to bills. Um, the lieutenant governor uh, showed up on the floor, uh, and the the agenda of the calendar was laid aside for the day. And that was, I think, two days, uh, Wednesday and Thursday. Now, this past week, she showed up, um, uh, you know, certainly at the governor's uh, best, best, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, this was... Look, this is nothing more to me. This was a, a political stunt. Uh, it was to give them political talking points um, on a uh, piece of legislation that has to do with really uh, late-term abortions in some cases, uh, as well as... Um, they're, they're, they're trying to, apparently, they're trying to get this through, the, late, the late-term abortion correct. provision, while your Republican senator is away on that Correct, duty. right. And you guys are using procedural mechanisms to stop them. But some things did get passed this week. Yeah, was, this, was there an agreement? Well, we'll do the non-controversial stuff. Well, that was, that was you know, certainly what we were talking to the governor and, and the Senate Democrats is, look, there are things, local bills, there are bills that we can probably agree on that we should pass, right? Mm-hmm. And, and Or we can play politics for the last three weeks and nothing will nothing get done. Nothing gets done. Right? And so... Including um, a lot of local legislation. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, you know, someone needs something for like a their... sales tax extender yeah. for a county yes. that unfortunately... Because of state law, Albany needs to allow the county to yeah. do. And uh, without so that, an agreement was reached to let some of this stuff go through. I don't know if there was an agreement reached. I think the governor, when the lieutenant governor showed up last Tuesday, uh, I thought she looked very ill prepared, and she was given a little bit of a rough ride up there in the in the chair. And I think the message was sent that, you know, maybe we don't want to continue to do this. And mm-hmm. I think the governor, hopefully, has decided that he'd rather let the legislature do its business. And then deal with the politics. Ryan Whalen has a question. I always like to ask if the roles were reversed and it was a, the split and the Democrats had the Senate leader and the Republicans had the, mm-hmm. the governor and the lieutenant governor, would you expect it to go any differently than it did last week? Um, the rules say that they can do this. They tried to make a move to get something they wanted through. Would it would it have gone any other way if the roles were reversed? Well, I think if the, if the numbers were the numbers, just like they are thirty one thirty one, you probably have a similar outcome no matter who. I disagree with the 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 baseline of the question that the rules allow. Actually, the rules we again our interpretation of the rules uh, when she was up in the chair uh, was that you know the amendment can be uh, can be um, accepted by the sponsor, which it was this week, but that but the sponsor has the uh, ability to decide if the, if the bill mm-hmm. moves forward for a vote or not. And so, in that case, look, th- these are these are bills, and these are issues that for many people in our conference, and despite what some folks on the left think, a lot of people disagree with. Uh, it was the 10th plank years ago of the women's agenda. Uh, it, you know, there's, there's a, a great 
many of our representatives on the Republican side that feel very strongly against these bills. The Democrats know that. And so, you know, my, my argument would be to them is, look, we have elections coming up in November. Let's let the voters, let's let the politics season, you know, hit usually mm-hmm. in July on. Let's not let it slow down. Because really what you have is gridlock right now in the Senate, you know, where we couldn't pass basic bills, a concussion bill. A bill, yeah. you know, for concussion to protect kids in schools was literally defeated because of these antics. That was, so, that was to put private schools on the same, on the same footing, footing as, as public schools. As public schools. Right. We have to take a quick break uh, now. But when we return, uh, we'll uh, we'll have more with Rob Ort, New York State Senator. We'll get to some of your calls. Uh, last hour, we weren't able to get to as many. If you want to get in, time to get in is now. 803-0930 is the number to call. In the meantime, I'm Kevin Hardwick. You're listening to Hardline at News Radio 930 WBEN. And welcome back to the program. This is Kevin Hardwick uh, here with Rob Ort, New York State Senator. Also, Ryan Whalen from Spectrum News, uh, their Capital Tonight program, their correspondent there. Um, Rob, I want to get into some issues with you. We've got a caller, however, who has an issue that was on my mind. We'll let him ask a question. Uh, Tom from Buffalo, welcome to the program. You have a question for the senator. I do. I'm wondering what's going on with sports legislation, uh, sports betting legislation. Mm-hmm. All the states around us are going to be way ahead if we don't get this done. In fact, I'm going to the Jersey Shore July 4th, and I plan on getting all my future bills bets in there. <laughs> Tom, thanks for the question. Uh, go ahead, cut you loose and uh, and let Rob answer. Yeah, thanks for the question, Tom. Uh, this is certainly is becoming a, a bigger and bigger issue. I think it's it seems to be one of the issues I suspect that we have a chance of actually getting it done between both houses. Um, there's obviously a little bit of a, of, a, of a rush on a time frame because if we don't get it done before the end of session, we won't be able to do it most likely until next year, and there's a feeling that we, the New York State will lose market share. Like, like what happened with states. the casinos. casinos Remember when, when, when Niagara Falls, Canada had their casino? Yeah, right. We didn't have anything on our side, and all that money went Correct. across the border. And, the same sort of thing. And, and the question is, can, do you recapture it? Now, I do think... You know, I'm not I'm not a big better. I don't, you know, do a lot of the DraftKings or fantasy stuff either. But I do think there's a concern about, okay, well, let's do it, but let's try to do it right rather than do it fast. Wait, what does that mean? I mean, what are what well, are the concerns? What are the what are the range so, of proposals? So like? some of the concerns are like, you know, what what kind of bets are allowed? Are you need to allow bets on just the score? Like mm-hmm. Bills beat the Giants. Can you bet on I think on the first play they're gonna run a pass versus yeah. a run? Uh, can you bet on individual player statistics? You know, I mean, because then there's a concern about the integrity mm-hmm. of the game. Of the game. I mean, let, let's be honest. You know, the, the whole thing exists off the fact that when you're watching that game, you believe that it's being decided by the players on the field, and that there's not some other, you know, uh, nefarious force of play. So I, I just think it's important. It is allowed, and it's going to be happening. There's no question. So the question is uh, both one of of money, because obviously the state would stand to gain. Uh, some revenue, uh, but I think it, it also we have to do it the right way. Is it going to be mobile? Is, that's a big question, right? Yep. Are you going to have to go to an OTB or casino, or can you do it on your phone? Right now, uh, the, the bills that I've seen, it, it is mobile. Uh, obviously, that's a big part. You know, I think a lot when you look at the folks who who really are pushing this. A lot of younger people uh, have been doing this or want to do this, and so the the mobility in the year 2018 is a big thing. But when you look at the OTBs, when you look at the casinos, when you look, there's a lot of brick and mortar places that are saying, "Hey, look, just allow us, yeah, allow us to compete or be a part of this. Don't don't box us out." 
Um, and when you think about whether it's the OTBs and what they give to the counties, when you look at, uh, I mean, the casino for me, Seneca Niagara, that's a native casino. They're probably going to do it anyways. Mm-hmm. Right? They're going to probably go ahead with yes. this no matter what. So that's yet another factor or dynamic to make sure that everyone gets a piece, so to speak, of the action um, you, you, and to get in. You know, while you're on the subject of the casinos, uh, you represent Niagara Falls yep. directly in the New York State Senate. Of yep. course, uh, they're losing an awful lot of money that yes, they, they should have from the casino. What's the latest on that? What, how do you think that's going to get resolved? I mean, <laughs> I mean, part of the deal was that they would hand over money to their host municipality, in this case, Niagara Falls. So the way it worked was that they actually paid the state, and the state, the state yes. paid the locality. Obviously, with the state not receiving any money, the localities do not either. Mm-hmm. Um, look, the process that they, that they have, are, are going through, they each have chosen an arbitrator, and they have to agree on a third arbitrator. That has not occurred. So they, well, maybe they could subject that to arbitration. So, yeah, well, the, the funny thing is, you would think if, <laughs> if, the, state, if the, state's, the state's not getting paid, yeah. right? So you would think that the state, the governor's office, would be more in a rush to get this, you know, rectified. I suspect they're going to slow roll until past November because I don't think if look at it, if the, if this goes the wrong way and the ruling goes against the yeah. state, the only person who wears it is it's, the executive. Is is Cuomo? Is the and that's not going to help him. That's correct. Huh? Um, let me uh, let me pick up on another issue that's uh, that that may come up at the end of the session, and that's. Uh, Marijuana. I mean, we have mar- medical marijuana now. Uh, that was a long time in coming. There's talk. Uh, it seems every day some politician comes out. Cynthia Nixon was out again yesterday or something talking about. She uh, clearly likes marijuana. She yeah. clearly likes <laughs> marijuana. What do you think is going to happen? Where do you stand on it? Well, first of all, uh, you know, I don't think anything's going to happen on that this session. I, we have eight days or whatever, nine days. Um, that's a pretty big issue, and, and people have long-standing thoughts. You know, I've always, I've sort of been somewhere in between. You know, for me, I, I can see a lot of you know when you talk about uh, alcohol mm-hmm. and what you see with that, and you, and you look at, you know, uh, the marijuana aspect. You know, I, I do think attitudes are changing. Uh, I, I don't think a, a kid should be locked up in jail, you know, because he had a a. a, a a pipe with resin or something in there or, 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 you know, he's not dealing marijuana. Um, and, and I know that that's c- sort of shifting, but I, I also, you know, I do wonder, I, I worry about, okay, what are the ramifications of fully recreationalized marijuana? I mean, do mm-hmm. we know what the long-term impacts are as far as people driving around? Do we know what the impacts are on people's productivity or, you know, at work or, or, or in society in general? How does that make it harder or easier for our folks in law enforcement? I just think that those are things that I have to see more data on before I can be comfortable, you know, moving towards a full recreational. But I, I, I will say, I think long-term, this is probably something that's going to happen. You just see it's going to happen. Ryan. Isn't that one where you worry about New York losing market share as well because Ontario is about to sure. legalize this summer? I think New Jersey is legalizing or close to it. Um, the governor there has talked about yeah. it. Yeah, and there's a couple other states around here that are talking about it. So then you're talking about interstate commerce, potentially other states having it, and New York sure. still having a black market that could even be coming across the border from Canada or other states. Are there concerns because of what's happening around New York State? Well, there's, yeah, that, that, that certainly creates more pressure uh, on New York, and it creates, as you mentioned, just on the law enforcement side, there's you know concerns about, okay, if it's legal in Ontario, how do you prevent it from... Right. coming across the border in mass um and whether it's jersey or what have you now in the same token i would say that market share alone isn't the primary concern when you're talking about 
you know, right. legalization of, of rec- or recreational drugs. Uh, I think there's got to be other things that come into play. But there's no question that does create pressure and I think does set the table. When you look at the number of states that have now legalized in some way, mm-hmm. shape, or form, it seems like every year there's at least one or two other states that do this. And I think ultimately you're going to get to a point where most states are going to have uh, either some form of decriminalization or recreational use. And we can argue whether that's good or bad, but uh, at some point it probably becomes a lot harder for one state to simply and it's say clear no. there's revenue there. So, sounds right. like sounds like you don't think it's going to happen this year. Politically, I just can't see it happening yeah. in the last eight days. Right. Uh, well, something that's got to happen uh, uh, in a in a couple seconds. Neil McManus is standing by in the newsroom <laughs> with the uh, with the uh, bottom of the hour headlines. Uh, when we return, another uh, half hour with Rob Ort, uh, New York State Senator Ryan Whalen of Spectrum News. I'm Kevin Hardwick. You're listening to Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. Welcome back to the program. A uh, few housekeeping items. First, we go to producer Joe Beamer. You know, I'm, I'm talking in here with uh, Ryan Whalen and Rob Ort during the break. Ryan mentions there something about a deal for DeGrom with the Yankees or something. I, I, what, what's that all about? Well, there's a lot of rumors since the Mets are on their worst home uh, losing streak since 2002. Ten, ten games, is it? Ten games at home, nine overall, because those games have not been all in a row at home. Oh. So the New York Post is reporting that DeGrom and Syndergaard both could be packing their bags. And yes, DeGrom to the Yankees, unfortunately, is a rumor. But I think if the Mets can, if Cespedes, who is now hurt again, yeah. if the bats can heat up, you know, you can lose nine in a row, you can win nine in a row. There you go. So, that, well, they did at the beginning of the season. Exactly. So let's yeah. start Let's start right. with tonight. All right. All right. There's there's reason to, reason to hope, Mets fans. Hey, uh, uh, I also wanted to plug an event that uh, I have uh, this, uh, this Tuesday at Brighton Place in the town of Tonawanda. Uh, this Tuesday, uh, June 12th, uh, at 7 o'clock, I'll be giving a PowerPoint presentation on taxes, uh, particularly property taxes. I put this together when the city of Tonawanda recently went through a reassessment and people were worried that, you know, they were, you know, didn't, didn't really understand a lot of what was going on. So I tried to clarify some of this, talk about income taxes, sales taxes, but primarily po- property taxes and how it's done. Uh, if you're interested, it's uh, free. It's open to the public. That's Brighton Place uh, on Brighton. Uh, it's an old library uh, in the town of Tonawanda. Anyway, let me get back to my guests. We'll get to the phones shortly for Rob Ort, Senator Rob Ort, uh, Ryan Whalen, also from Spectrum News, along for the ride. Uh, but if you have a question for Senator, New York State Senator, Republican, Rob Ort, uh, give us a call, 803-0930. We've got a couple of lines open. Uh, Rob, one last uh, question before we go to the, uh, the phones, and that concerns gun control. Mm-hmm. The governor came out with a proposal, I think, this week, something about a red flag legislation. What's that all about? Well, this is uh, uh, there. There is a, a piece of legislation sponsored by uh, a downstate senator from Manhattan, Senator Kavanaugh. So it's been kicking around. It's been kicked around. Now, this proposal, though, is kind of different in the regards that it would allow teachers uh, to basically go to a judge or whatever and just say, you know, I think this student could be a threat, mm-hmm. and either his guns or more likely his family's guns could be taken away. So this, to me. This That's is, kind of pointed at that last incident yes. in Santa Fe where yep. the kid got his father's guns? Correct. Yeah. And, well, and I think it's pointed just at, the, at obviously, the unfortunate uh, uh, rash of school shootings. So to me, 
Um, I mean, look, I don't know that this is, there's any real legislative push behind this. Mm-hmm. This might just be the latest uh, uh, policy proposal in a primary campaign uh, that the governor's waging against Cynthia Nixon. The governor said he didn't think it would get through the Senate when he announced it. Well, of course, it. yeah. <laughs> um, do, you, do you think that a version, the red flag version that talks about police and family members and doesn't include teachers could possibly get through the Senate or, or no red flag? Bill? Well, so, Mike, like, uh, let's use the well, – we'll start backwards. You know, go with the governor's proposal first. The problem here is – so, you know, we heard a lot about teachers shouldn't be armed, mm-hmm. shouldn't have to – they're not trained. Well, they're also not trained as mental health professionals at all. So to put that onus on the teacher to have to go and, and, and you know, remove the guns of the parent who's done nothing wrong yeah. at all, I think to me is a real scary – area we're getting into, and I don't even know that it's helpful. Couldn't you argue um, it puts the onus on the judge, though? The teacher just the judge sends is it off take to the, it, though, judge. Ryan. the judge. There's no judge in the world that, I, that I'm aware of that's going to put their own neck and say, no, you're wrong. They're going to take it as a, almost a matter of precaution. And we see that even now with domestic abuse cases. Um, now, look, at, can, you know, some of these orders have passed in places like Florida. Could there be a discussion on that? Uh, there certainly could be. We just, but we already did something as part of the of, of the budget. We did a bill that dealt specifically with domestic uh, violence, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, uh, and and trying to take guns out of uh, uh, suspected domestic violence, domestic abusers. So you know, we have the strongest gun laws in the nation. Many of them, I feel, go you know uh, too far and infringe on the Second Amendment. But the fact of the matter is, we always had this discussion in New York um, about you know uh, taking away you know, the guns are restricting uh, the Second Amendment use. And yet, yet, there was a man who just, who killed 10 people back in the 1980s, killed them on Easter Sunday or Palm Sunday, uh, and he was paroled, murdered 10 people, and you didn't hear one thing from the very same people mm. who want to reduce gun violence, yet this guy killed 10 people, and he's back on the streets. Uh, and I just find that hypocrisy very frustrating Tell- for me. Tell you what, let's uh, let's go to the phones now. We got a lot of people lining up. Again, there's one line open if you want it. Eight oh three oh nine thirty, eight oh three oh nine thirty. Let's go to John in Rochester. John, welcome back to the program. Hey Kevin. Hey Rob and Ryan. Listen, Rob, the witch is dead. Snyderman is gone. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're right, John. I I, I appreciate the sentiment. <laughs> Honest to God, the Attorney Generals, you had Snyderman, you had Spitzer, you had Colomo. In my opinion, all well, we know two of them are definitely corrupt. And I, I, I submit that Cuomo's corrupt, too. Look what Cuomo did a number of years ago, uh, disbanding the Moreland Commission, because things were getting too tight around his allies. It was unbelievable. And uh, the other thing, uh, he's a supporter a big supporter of illegal aliens, uh, funding them. In fact, uh, he's paying for their defense. It's unbelievable, this uh, this hypocrisy out there. And, and the thing that really bugs me also, Rob, I'll have you address this. I don't want to get you in any trouble, but <laughs> the, uh, the unilateral increase that Cuomo put, he unilaterally uh, increased the minimum wage mm-hmm. for all state workers. And to me, that's a uh, spit in the face to the taxpayers. What are your thoughts on that? Okay, John, thanks for the question. We're going to cut you loose, and Rob will give you the answer. Well, the, the governor certainly has become very fond recently of unilateral actions, whether it's through the wage board. You know, there's this tip credit that he's doing really on his own. There's no legislation uh, as regards it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 
increases like, like to, to state employees without going through the normal collective bargaining negotiations and having it be approved. So, you know, he's certainly become fond of that. And the, re- the reality is I, I felt this way for as long as I've been in Albany. The governor certainly, to me, views the legislature as more of a nuisance, uh, you know, sort of a, an obstacle to be overcome. Uh, and, you know, he's got his sights set on winning re-election as governor uh, and an increasingly leftward drift, particularly downstate. And he knows these are these unilateral actions. I know he feels are going to benefit him with those, you know, very progressive uh, voters. Uh, those are on progressive issues, wages. You know, whenever you hear Bernie Sanders talk, mm-hmm. he's always talking about wages, uh, not unemployment, wages, wages, wages. So I think the governor is, is playing to that crowd, playing to that argument, because, of course, he's also, I think, got his eye on 2020 uh, Iowa. Let's, let's squeeze in one more call before the break. Let's go to Guy. Guy, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, I just wanted to pipe up on the Senate split issue. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I don't know if the Buffalo News is being believed or not, but in a recent article, they did say that Democrats outnumber Republicans 3 to 1 in this state. Um, I don't know if that's true. If it is. It is true. Okay. Well, I mean, then, then that goes in the right way what I'm saying here. Um, obviously, we do know we do not live in a democracy. Uh, you're taught that basically by sixth grade that this is a republic. But if you do value Democratic principles, it shouldn't even be close in the Senate. The Democrats should vastly outnumber the Republicans. We shouldn't even be hearing about this split again. Um, you know, the Republicans should be in the vast minority. They're almost, really, they're a minor party. They're the largest minor party. But um, three to one is, is really overwhelming odds. So they should not. They should really never be in charge of the Senate. And I don't know how much good it is anyway. I remember when George Maziar was in the Senate and uh, they had the coup. And uh, he was telling us it's going to be for New Yorkers and Western New Yorkers in particular. We really didn't see a difference after that coup. And, and you know, I'm not knocking out Maziar's. It was just that when Hillary became Secretary of State, he was pushing Byron Brown to be re- replacing her. And he's an ultra-liberal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know what difference it makes whether you're Republican or Democrat in New York State. But I would say that if you value Democratic principles, it shouldn't even be close. The Democrats should be in Okay. Let's, uh, uh, Guy, thanks for bringing that issue up. Rob? Well, I would say if you value uh, economic sanity, uh, you should be glad that there is uh, some balance in state government. I mean, this isn't even the idea that there's no difference. I push back on this all the time because you do hear this sometimes, and I get it. I know there's some folks on the on the conservative side that want Republicans to be more conservative or, mm-hmm. or stand more up, but the, the the reality is the difference would be would be stark, and I can yeah. I can highlight a number of bills. Uh, but geographically, the Buffalo News wrote, read an uh, editorial recently. And I'll just sum up with this: Right now, there are five senators who represent parts of Western New York that have a say on the budget, that have a say on major policy, and on appropriation of funds across the state and in Western New York. As it stands now, if that was reversed, you'd have one. So to me, it's not even about pol- uh, philosophy. So, it's almost about geographic. So, so Ryan, we're making news here today. Republican agrees with the Buffalo News editorial. Yeah, on that yeah, one. There, yes. there you go. Listen, we <laughs> we have to take one more break. When we come back, uh, we'll end the show with more calls for Rob Ort. If you want to get on board, eight zero three zero nine thirty is the number. I'm Kevin Hardwick. You're listening to Hardline on News Radio nine thirty W B E N. Uh, just uh, sorry, coming back to this Kevin Hardwick pondering a philosophical question from Ryan Whalen of Spectrum News. I'll continue to ponder that 
Uh, Rob uh, Ort, former student of mine, New York State Senator, Republican from Niagara County. Uh, actually, he's from the city of uh, North Tonawanda, the, the, the wrong Tonawanda. But the anyway, American side of the canal. The, the American <laughs> side of the canal. Anyway, I said we'd go back to the phones, uh, and we will. Let's, uh, let's call up, hey, Rob, a constituent of yours from Niagara Falls. This is Frank. Frank, welcome Hi, Frank. to the program. Yeah, oh Lord, how long before our elected officials admit the uh, war on drugs is a failure? You know, I, I think this medical marijuana program in New York State is more of an outrage than the establishment elite realize. You know, why are poor people the only ones who can afford New York medical marijuana, while poor people are still living the horror of Rockefeller drug laws and being arrested for cannabis use? And, and in the meantime, while marijuana is being kept Schedule One, you know, the DEA targets doctors, chronic pain sufferers, while mm-hmm. coddling opioid abusers. You know, this is the same DEA that allowed Big Pharma to flood the nation with, you know, opioids. Okay. Hey, Frank, thank you for raising that issue. I'm going to let you go, and we'll hear Rob's uh, answer on the air. Yeah, I think uh, there actually is a, a push right now, which which could happen. It passed the Assembly. Um, I believe it may come up in the Senate uh, that would expand the current medical marijuana Medical program. marijuana, not recreational. Not recreational. It would mm-hmm. expand the medical marijuana plan to, um, uh, you know, opiate and, and heroin recovering addicts, people who have chronic pain, uh, to try to get them to off of opiates and off of pain medication or even, God forbid, off away from heroin. Now, I, I know some people will come back and say, well, actually, they, they think marijuana is a gateway drug. But again, the medical marijuana is not, the, you're not smoking this. This is the oil. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have the, the, the component that gets you high. This only has the, the, um, uh, the more medically related uh, uh, components to try to treat the pain. So that could happen. Uh, and if, if, to me, I've always felt that if the doctors say there's a reasonable reason to believe that this could work, in the battle against opiate and heroin, then I think we should absolutely do it. Let's go international now. Let's go up to Fred in Toronto. Fred, welcome to the program. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. And years ago, when the United States lifted prohibition, they didn't do it and uh, saying, well, we're just going to allow in 3.2 beer. They allowed in everything, scotch, rye, bourbon, whiskey. And, yeah, if people were going to drink, you know, hard liquor and drink it by the bottle, it would kill them. I lived in England where heroin heroin was legal. You could could actually buy heroin through prescription. uh, And, and in fact, there was a heroin addict in the building I was living in. And and there was no problem with it. There was no crime, nothing. Um, When you... Ban it. All you're doing is encouraging crime. It, 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 if people want it, they should be able to have it. You can have cigarettes, for example, today, which one of your Surgeon General, C. Everett Koop, equated that with heroin. The addiction to nicotine, he equated to the addiction of heroin. You know, and you can buy booze, which can get you really, really uh, high. So, you know, this drug should be legal it, and, and should be controlled. If you control it and legalize it, it's not going to go to kids. It's not, you won't be able to tempt it. Nobody's selling, you know, maybe some, but virtually it's not a problem selling with alcohol go- oh. in the hands of kids. Okay, Fred, Fred, thank you for that. Uh, we'll get Rob's response on the air. There's a, a lot there. Um, 
So first of all, I would say that the idea that it's not going to go to kids is, is ridiculous because cigarettes and beer are legal and very often is, mm-hmm. is goes to underage kids. I mean, we just know that. Uh, it's the two most abused substances in the country, nicotine and alcohol. So the idea that making it legal removes crime, I, mean, I guess if you could just remove all crime, then there'd be no crime. You know, We could just do away with all the penalties out there with crime, and then we could say we're crime-free. So I don't necessarily buy into that attitude. Uh, I don't think legalizing heroin, is, I'm certainly not going to be for that ever. Uh, that's a very dangerous substance. It's a, it's a heavily, you know, uh, no one ODs that I'm aware of on marijuana. Plenty of people OD on, on heroin. So I, I think to, to compare the two isn't even close. So Only a couple minutes left. We won't have any time for more calls, but we do have a question sure. from uh, Ryan Whalen. Since, since I never got to ask you about this, uh, you had a case that was dropped, mm-hmm. uh, brought against you by Attorney General Eric Schneiderman. Former Attorney General. Former Attorney General Eric Schneiderman, and at the time you said it was political, mm-hmm. um, and you stood out and, and told everybody that. Um, I spoke with George Maziarz after uh, the Attorney General resigned, and he said, this is what I've been saying all along, that, that, that this was a person with a temper, and that the same, thing, the same things that we're hearing in the report, that's what I've been trying to tell people about Eric Schneiderman all along. Do you, what was you, how did you react when all this happened, and, and did you catch any connection to what happened to you? Well, I certainly, so uh, as to how I reacted, you know, I, I, I try not to be too big on schadenfreude, which is not to take too much pleasure in someone else's. I mean, look, at if he was beating women and abusing women, then I don't, I don't think anyone should take glee in that. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he should get whatever's coming to him if, the, if that's credible and it's found to be, to be true. Um, but, yeah, I, I always felt this was an individual who it wasn't always about political in the partisan sense, but political in that – this was about him advancing his own agenda, his own name. He wanted to run for governor. Uh, and this was also someone who I think was a little person that had a lot of power. And for him, whether you look at the abuse allegations or his prosecutions, it was about power. It was about him. You know, to me, he was a, a, you know, just as corrupt as, as anybody because he was misusing his power uh, by bringing prosecutions that he had no way in my view, at least in my case, to prove in a court of law. And it was, of course, thrown out by a Democratic judge down in Albany County for lack of evidence, which is almost to say that, obviously, there was no evidence that a crime was committed, which is what I said from the beginning. So, you know what, I think New Yorkers are better for uh, him not being there. Uh, And I hope if those allegations are proved correct, that he gets the justice coming to him. And that's going to have to be the last word for this program. I want to thank my guests for this hour, uh, Ryan Whalen of uh, Spectrum News, also, New York State Senator Rob, uh, Rob Ort, again, a, uh, a former student of mine at Canisius. Go Griffs, right? Go Griffs. Go Griffs. Anyway, thank you for joining us this program. Thanks to uh, Joe Beamer, uh, producer extraordinaire. I'm Kevin Hardwick. You've been listening to Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. T Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.